Well, I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles this morning and join me as we turn to Psalm 103. I do want to make a correction in the sermon title. The sermon title this morning is actually Don't Forget. Don't Forget, and it is Psalm 103, but we will end with verse 14 and also read verses 20 through 22. Psalm 103 is a, is a hymn of praise, a hymn of blessing. And, you know, a lot of these psalms have some thoughtful organization to them. So in this particular psalm, there's an introduction that is verses 1 through 2, and there is a conclusion that is verses 20 through 22. And in those verses, in the intro and in the conclusion, we see the words, bless the Lord or praise the Lord six times. So at the beginning and at the end, we're wrapping blessing the Lord around the inner verses, and those inner verses between verses 3 and 19 tell us the reasons why we are to bless the Lord. So follow along with me, uh, and your translation may say praise the Lord, it may say bless the Lord, beginning with verse 1 of Psalm 103. Bless or praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Bless his holy name. Bless or praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then we find out why we are to praise the Lord or bless him. Who forgives all of your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him or reverence him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. And then, beginning in verse 20, Bless or praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Bless or praise the Lord, all his heavenly host, you his servants who do his will. Bless or praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Well, I had planned this particular day with great anticipation and excitement. It was my son Philip's first day of kindergarten, and I was all pumped up to send him off to Wintergreen Elementary School. Like most parents of first-time students, you know, we, we had some anxiety about sending our child off to the jungles of kindergarten. But you know, we had attended that open house and met the teacher and met the teacher assistant, but we still had our questions. Would he be safe and secure in the course of the day? Would he flourish as he began his academic career as a kindergartner? Would he miss us and be homesick during the day? Truth be told, we were probably going to miss him more than he was going to miss us. So we had those natural questions that most parents had, but, but I had planned and I had told him, I'm going to take you to school that first morning, and we'll get there about 7.30, and I'll walk you down the hallway to your teacher's class, and then right after 2 o'clock, after school is out, I'll be right there, and I'll come and get you. So sure enough, we got in the car that morning. We arrived at Wintergreen, and we walked somberly down that long hallway, and I dropped him off at his classroom with the promise, I won't forget, I'll be there this afternoon, a little after 2 o'clock. So I drove, came back to the church and started my day, and it was a busy day, and got involved in it. And About 2.30 that afternoon, <laughs> the secretary buzzed my office and said, you have a phone call. So I picked up the phone, and it was Philip's kindergarten teacher calling. She was wondering if I was planning to come to pick my son up that afternoon. So I made a beeline out for the car from the church here and headed out to Wintergreen. And I got to tell you, I arrived at that school to see one of the most pitiful sights in all of the world. All of the school buses were gone. All of the parents who had picked up their children were all gone. It was nothing but a vacant parking lot. And there, alone with his kindergarten teacher, stood the only child that was left to be picked up in that whole school, my son. Isn't it amazing how quickly, regardless of our age, I mean, you know, I was a young man then, I didn't have any excuse, right? Regardless of our age or our circumstances, that we can forget the things and the people in a heartbeat that matter to us the most and are the most precious to us the most. How many times have you heard the story of the parent who innocently is running some errands or the parent who is heading off to work in a hurry and has that mental lapse because there's the preschooler in the back seat of the car strapped in the car seat on a hot summer day. 
And minutes later, or sadly, hours later, that parent returns to that car and finds that child dead. How many times have you heard that story? How many times have you done a favor for someone, a student, an employee, a work colleague, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, and then you discover weeks, months, or years later that that good deed that you do, ha, have done has either been totally forgotten or it just seems unappreciated. How many times has God been there for you personally in your life? How many times has God been here in the life of Oakmont? And he's been working his his works of love and grace and redemption. And then sure enough, down the road, it happens again, and we process it as if it's happening for the very first time. Well, isn't it amazing that God's done something good in my life? Isn't it amazing that God has worked in the life of Oakmont? And we seem incapable of connecting the dots from one moment of blessing to another as our memories fail us and we forget. We forget. That's the purpose of this psalm this morning, folks, Psalm 103. It's a call to you and to me, don't forget. Don't forget God's goodness and God's love and his mercy in your life. Don't forget it of what he's done in the life of this church in its 52 and a half year history. Don't forget. Remember, th this psalmist is calling out for his own soul. He, he's not, I mean, he's saying it so you'll read it years and years and centuries later and I'll read it. But initially, he's writing it so he won't forget. He's calling out for his own soul to bless the Lord because he doesn't want to forget all of his benefits. That's what it says right there uh, in the text. Praise the Lord or bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. You know, sometimes you take a job and it's easy to forget the benefits that come along with it, isn't it? You get focused on the paycheck, and that's important. And I want to thank you for mine. I'm grateful. And our staff is too. But I try not to forget the benefits that come with my job, and I hope you haven't in the past or don't currently. I mean, many of us get paid leave, paid holidays, vacation, sick leave. Maybe we get paid insurance or part of it, life, health, disability. Maybe you get a contribution for retirement. It's easy to focus on the salary and forget the benefits. That's what the psalmist says here. Forget not all of his benefits. What are the benefits? Well, the benefits, according to uh, verse 3 and following, is that he forgives all of your sins. The psalmist says that he heals all of your diseases. The psalmist says that he redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The psalmist says he satisfies your desires, listen to this, with good things. 
There's a lot of benefits that God gives us when we know it. And how many times have you and I personally and corporately together forgotten God's benefits? Now, why is this God a forgiving, healing, redeeming, crowning, and satisfying God? Why is he that kind of God? Because that's just who he is. That, that, that's who he is. That's his nature. To be a forgiving, redeeming, healing, crowning, satisfying God. You know, when the psalmist says in verse 7 here that he made his ways known to Moses, he showed himself to the people of Israel, undoubtedly the psalmist is describing here an incident that takes place in the book of Exodus. Do you remember that story around Exodus 32, 33, 34? where Moses goes up to Mount Sinai with two stone tablets in his hand and he's going to get the law, the Ten Commandments, that God is going to write with his fingers on the stone tablets. And while Moses is away, you remember what was happening down? He was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Remember what was happening? There was a lot of discord and unrest and unbelief and the people actually persuaded Moses' brother Aaron to manufacture this golden calf because they needed a visual image to worship. And they said to themselves, we don't know what's happened to that fellow Moses. He took off and he hasn't come back and we need something to worship. So Aaron, his brother, helps to create and craft the golden calf. And when Moses comes back down from Mount Sinai, he hears the music, the noise of celebration and worship and praise of this golden calf and Moses goes ballistic and he takes those stone tablets and he throws them down and they break in half and then he he takes that golden calf and he has it melted and he takes the material and puts it in the drinking water and makes them drink it how would you like to have a spiritual leader who made you do something like that of course, I love the response of Aaron when Moses comes down and asks him, how did all this happen? He said, we just threw the material in a fire and out popped this calf. It's one of the great pieces of humor in Scripture that we sometimes miss. It, it just popped out all by itself, Moses. So Moses finally goes back up to the Mount, of Sin Mount Sinai, crafts two new stone tablets to take with him. And when he gets to the top in Exodus 34, God reveals himself to Moses. And we, we hear these words, we read them, and the words out of Exodus 34 are quoted here in Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That's the kind of God the psalmist doesn't want you to forget. That's the God that you and I serve, the God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. He's the type of God that's described in verses 9 and following that is so different from you and me. Listen to what, how the psalmist describes God. He will not always accuse Boy, that's different from you and me, isn't it? Don't we like to point the finger and accuse? 
He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever or repay us according to our iniquities. We like to hold on to our anger. And we like retribution and revenge. This is a God who's different from how we are. Psalmist goes on, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him or reverence him, for he knows how we're formed. You know, some translations say he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You know what, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your hairstyle is or lack thereof. It doesn't matter what clothes you've got on. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter how much education you have or how little you've got. It doesn't matter your racial, gender, ethnic background, even your religious background. At the end of the day, God knows that all seven billion of us in this world are on the same level playing field. Every one of us at the end of the day are but dust. We were formed from dust, and at the end of our lives, we're going to return to dust. And he remembers that, that we are but dust. Well, you know, I read these descriptions of God, and it's just a stretch for me. I don't know if it's a stretch for you, but it's a stretch for me to wonder how can this kind of God have that steadfast love? That's how it's described here. That word really means a love that's born out of a covenant. Now, you know, contracts are not supposed to be broken, but they can be. But covenants are never broken. And the psalmist is telling us here that God has that covenant-oriented love for us. He's not going to break that love with us. It's a love that's visualized with a dying Jesus hanging on a cross. That's the covenant love that he's got for us, and he's not going to quit on us. Now, part of human nature at times is to be quitters. And every one of us have quit something in the past. We've quit on a friendship. We've quit on a relationship. We've maybe quit on a marriage. We've quit a job. We've quit a community or civic involvement or engagement. Maybe we've quit on church. You know, there's a whole new section of people, category of people. You've heard of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, not the N-U-N, who are in the monasteries. But the N-O-N-E-S, those are the folks who have no religious affiliation. They're spiritual. They may even love Jesus, but they don't like the institutional church. They're the nuns, but now we have the duns. D-O-N-E-S. And they're done with the institutional church and the hypocrisy and the bureaucracy. They quit. And so it's hard to understand this God that doesn't he has a covenant love for us, and he also has compassion for us and for the world. 
He has compassion that's described in verses 4, 8, and 13. It's a word at its root that means womb, W-O-M-B. God has a compassion. He has a womb love for you as a mother has a love for a child that is yet unborn or yet unknown. That's the kind of God we're dealing with, folks. So as the psalmist writes here, when we commit sin, when we battle disease, when we fall into the pit, when we are oppressed, we need to remember that we're dealing with a God who, through Jesus, has a covenant love for us, a womb love for us, and he'll never let us go and he'll never quit on us. This morning, we are ordaining two people into the diaconate ministry. And we are installing a total of 11 persons to join 22 other men and women to be our spiritual leaders for the coming year. One of the jobs of a deacon is to help us all not forget, to remember God's covenant love for us, his womb love for us. Their job is to help all of us connect the dots, past and present, of God's forgiving, healing, and redeeming work. To call it the mind, to name it, to remind us that what we're seeing in the present has actually happened in the past. God hasn't quit forgiving, redeeming, and working in our midst. And when we see that God at work, what else can we do but join the psalmist in singing, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Bless his holy name.